In this first episode with Josh, we talk about our unorthodox first meeting. We also dive into his journey from corporate America into personal training, how hard it is to actually put muscle on your body, and finally, how to find your own personal trainer if you're looking for one. I know you're going to love this episode. Enjoy. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back, you guys. Today I'm so excited because Josh and I are finally doing a podcast. We're actually going to be doing several of them. If you don't know, Josh Levine is my personal trainer, and we've been working together for over a year now, right? Over a year now. Over we, a year. I never celebrated. I know. You still need to celebrate. <laughs> so I find Josh to be, I mean, such an amazing resource. I trust him. Um, and today we're going to talk about like how to find a personal trainer for yourself. We're going to talk about how hard it is to actually build a muscle. But what I want to start off by talking about is how Josh and I actually met, which was not in the gym. You may not know this about Josh and myself, but we are, we are models. We are fitness models. <laughs> and we met on the set of, um, a second skin photo shoot. And Second Skin was a brand by Dick's Sporting Goods, which is no longer around. Second Skin isn't. They have their own athletic line now, just Dick's Sporting Goods apparel. But that's where we met. Do you remember that day? I do remember that day. It was a really fun photo shoot, too. It was a super fun photo shoot. And it's yeah. just so funny to think back. You guys, you do not meet people on accident. Mm. Nope. Everything no. is on purpose. Synchronicities are everywhere. Yeah. And I, but I didn't see you again after that until... I saw you in Arvada 24 when it opened. Yeah. So yeah, that, was, that photo shoot, I think, was in April of 07 or 17, I mean. Uh, sounds about right. And then yeah. when did you start training with 24? 2017. Um, I left the country right after that. So when I came back in September, October, maybe. Huh. I feel like it was longer than that. Interesting. So long story short, fast forward, Josh changes his life and comes back to the States and starts training at 24 Hour Fitness. And I run into him at the gym and I'm like, do you remember me? And it's funny how things work out. Now, that being said, Josh did not always, he's not always been a personal trainer. So when you graduated from college, what did you start doing? Oh God, I took the job that gave me the most money. (laughs) (laughs) I I graduated from college with a degree in business and I did my degree in business because I didn't really know what else to do but Mm -hmm. I knew I knew that that would be helpful no matter what Mm -hmm. um but I'd always been really good at sales I've always been really good at selling so I graduated from college and I got a job at WB Mason which is like an east coast staples kind of we didn't have brick and mortar stores it was all business to business Mm -hmm. so I was on the road all day going into random businesses unannounced and trying to sell them things. Just cold calling. Yeah. And I got, (laughs) 
I got kicked out of a lot of places all, all the time, <laughs> all the time. And I'd be like, all right, see you in a month. <laughs> That's actually a really good experience. Oh, it was great. I mean, I grew really thick skin doing it. So yeah. how long were you with WB Mason? So I was with WB Mason for probably three years. I was a sales rep for maybe a year. And then I moved up to sales trainer. Okay. Um, and then I kept trying to quit and they kept just giving me more money. So <laughs> <laughs> money I a few times after that. <laughs> yeah. So how um, did you, what did you do after WB Mason? After WB Mason, well, the last one I actually left WB Mason uh, was when I moved to Colorado. Okay. Did you so, move to Colorado because you wanted to or because you found a job here? It was super on a whim. So a buddy of mine, we, we wanted to do a year in New Zealand. Things just didn't work out between like girlfriends and dogs and all sorts of stuff. So he called me randomly on a Wednesday night and asked if I wanted to move to Colorado. And Meg, my girlfriend, was right in front of me. And I said, yeah. <laughs> And we get up, we're like, okay, cool. So we're, we're talking about it. We're like, yeah, let's just like leave as soon as we can. So I get off the phone. Meg is like, are you moving to Colorado? <laughs> like, you want to come with? She's like, yeah, okay. So we all quit our jobs the next day oh. and left and didn't have a place to live until we got to Indiana. We just found a place to live in Colorado. And I didn't have a job for like three months um, after I got here. But I found a really cool tech startup that I was working for called Roundpeg that is no longer, we got bought out by a company called Achievers. Uh, so Roundpeg is no longer around. But that was a really great experience. And I went from doing a job that I like really didn't like, nothing against WB Mason. It just like wasn't a good fit for me. Sure. Um, but Roundpeg was, I mean, it was everything a bolder tech startup could be. It was perfect. Yeah. Yeah, it was a really good experience there too. And I learned a lot about values in the workplace because that was our thing and what I value in my job and what I value in my life and how I can align with people who like sort of like give me life instead of suck the life out of me, if you will. Yes. Um, and that was an amazing, I think, year and a half, maybe two years that I worked for them. So when did you decide that you wanted to be a personal trainer? Good question. <laughs> um, I, I've always, well, not always, I can't say I've always been in love with fitness, but I've always been active. So I was always an athlete. Um, in college, I was a competitive snowboarder. I didn't, uh, we didn't have real sports at our college, but you know, so I went I was snowboarding. Um, and after college was when I got into fitness. I think I was maybe 21 or so. And I made a lot of mistakes, as most people do when they go to figure it out. I never had a trainer. Uh, so I kind of figured out everything out for myself. I don't know why I never had a trainer. I was maybe too proud. I don't, you know. You know I think when we're that young, too, we, I don't think we can afford one. Also true. Yeah. And, I also like didn't know how much it cost. Like I never, the thought never even crossed my mind. I was like, oh, I can do this. What's like, what's so hard about it? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, little did I know. So yeah. I like, you know, wasted a lot of time, hurt myself, probably ruined my metabolism once or twice <laughs> and then fixed it. Welcome um, to the club. Yeah. Right. We've all done it. <laughs> and um, I had a couple rough surgeries that I went through the most, 
the one that really put me over was after I had moved out to Colorado, I had um, an issue with my esophagus and then I needed to have it operated on. And there was a complication with the surgery. Long story short, I was out of the gym for like a year almost. Whoa. Um, yeah. And, and that was a really hard time for me. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't allowed to lift more than eight pounds for most of that. I had to have people help me get my groceries. Like um, I had a feeding tube for a while and that whole time that I wasn't able to work out, all I was doing was like learning about how I was going to come back. Cause I lost like 30 something pounds. Yeah. And so I was just learning, learning, learning. And I was realizing that like the whole time I'm just learning about fitness and I was enjoying it. And I was really liking it. Uh, and I'd always, I had thought about teaching other people, but I didn't have the knowledge to be able to like apply it, you know, to teach someone who's never squatted before how to squat and be able to pick out what's wrong with it mm-hmm. to help them do the movement safely and effectively just wasn't in my repertoire. So, um, I realized that I was really enjoying it. So I decided to get certified mm-hmm. and I would bring my books to the gym with my feeding tube coming out of my face and walk on the treadmill and read and study. <laughs> and I was like, okay, when I come back, I'm going to be a trainer. This is uh, awesome. Yeah, it was, it was like a life-changing low for me, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you finally got better. I got better physically. Like, you know, I didn't have a feeding tube in my face anymore. I could pretty much chew and swallow most foods, mm-hmm. uh, but I still wasn't able to lift. Left the country for a while because I needed to do something uh, and did some soul searching around like Australia and Southeast Asia. And when I came back, it was like, there was no question. I was in the mindset of life is too short. I want to do something that I really enjoy doing. I love fitness. I love helping people. Uh, I like selling things that I believe in. And I applied to a job at 24 hour fitness in Boulder and Brian Bukowski, who had just moved to the new Arvada location that was opening up, saw my application come through and within two minutes of me clicking submit, gave me a phone call and asked me to come work for him. And that's it. Yeah. So were you still working at round peg when this happened? Oh no, we had sold round peg, um, in, I want to say March of 2017. So that photo shoot was at a really good time because I didn't have any money. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. So they sold it. Did that mean that you got laid off or? Technically I got laid off. Yeah. Okay, so, okay, so leave, soul search, come back, boom, got a job. Got a job, yep. Timing is amazing. It is amazing. Everything worked out really, really well. And, I mean, I will say this, the universe is conspiring in your favor. All the time. People need to, like, recognize that. Mm-hmm. It is working for you. Once you make up your mind to do something, mm-hmm. it will do its thing. Even the, even the hard, even the, the lows and the hard times, uh, you know, like there's a reason, there's a plan. Mm -hmm. And throughout that whole like year, keeping spirits up was hard, but I'm like, okay, I could either suffer and suffer, or I could like be like, okay, this is just something I have to deal with Mm -hmm. and still suffer because obviously it's, it was difficult, but like, um, I felt like I had a pretty good mentality through the whole thing. And it was because of things like that. I'm like, I'm, something's coming up this. I don't know what it is, but I was trying to pay attention to that. And this is what it was. 
Well, and as I think about some of the clients that you work with, like Tom, you were just speaking of and how he has mm-hmm. gone through his knee surgery. Do you feel that that makes you more empathetic and you can understand where he's coming from when he's working with limited? Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's, it's definitely a benefit to be able to like put myself in someone else's shoes, especially in terms of injury, that's keeping them back from doing something that they want to do. I trained his son too. And his son just had this crazy surgery where he's been out for uh, over a year now too. And I can like, I feel for him so deeply because he's a young kid. He wants to be able to like ski and do all these things. And he still can barely hold 10 pounds, but like he's still coming into the gym and we're doing just leg stuff. Cause like he's got to move. Right. And to keep his mental sanity, I, I definitely relate to it. So I work with him and it definitely helps being able to be on the other side. Absolutely. If you've never gone through an injury, you it's, you think, why can't they just do this? Why, why can't they just lose the weight if you've never been overweight, if you've never been through that journey or put on the muscle? Um, mm-hmm. So it definitely helps having all those experiences. Um, yeah. Not even in like, while you're in the cert, in the, in recovery, but afterwards too. I mean, the post-traumatic stress is kind of real. If you've been through a gnarly surgery, mm-hmm. that post-traumatic stress is real. Um, so that's something else that I think, helpful that I went through, uh, that, you know, I can understand, even though I know that someone's able to do something, I can feel, I can sense the mental block that they have in getting over it. Yeah. I will say this, uh, cause you've noticed that for me with a, like, I believe squats or deadlifts, mm-hmm. if I, I don't know what it is that you see, but you can I tell can if I'm hesitant. Yeah. I can feel it. I know when you come into the gym and you're like too scared. That's interesting. Yeah. Most people don't know that I get scared, Josh. Well, I can feel it. Most people are scared of me. (laughs) Those don't. (laughs) So, you know, a big part of this podcast is I want people to understand that they're never, ever stuck. And so Josh is another perfect example of this. He had his job at WB Mason, cold calling, making sales. Yes, he moved up, but it wasn't in alignment with who he wanted to be. Then he had another great job, but still something was off. And now he's like living his purpose. Do you feel that like you're living your purpose right now? Yeah, I feel really good about what I'm doing. Yeah. But and I like it shows. What's that? Yeah. I, was, I know there's more. Yes. Oh, yeah. of course there's more. Of course there's more. <laughs> yeah. But it, yeah, it feel, I finally feel like I'm doing something that I love. And that's what I've always wanted to do. And because people do get hung up on money and I want to... You can do what you love and make money. Am I correct? Yeah. You're more likely to make money if you do what you love. I mean, sure, you could get a corporate job and you know that you're going to get your forty, sixty, eighty thousand dollars a year or whatever, but you're just going to do that job while you're being paid to do that job because you have to. But once I went off on my own and I started training, like, I mean, kind of like when I was in recovery, I like doing this stuff. I like learning about it. So I'm always working, but it's never taxing. I'm not drained. It's, it like fills me up to be able to do this. And so the opportunity to make money to me feels greater because it's something that I will never not want to do. That's a really great point. You guys, in case you missed it, like he feels, this is what fills him up rather than drains him. And that's really what you're looking for. I feel when you're pursuing anything, you want to find those things that fill you up energetically. Mm -hmm. 
Very cool. Um, so a big thing that Josh and I like to talk about is how hard it is to put on muscle. I know you can't see Josh right now. Josh, what do you weigh right now? Uh, 215. 215. Yeah. What did you used to weigh? Jeez, when I started lifting, <laughs> I was like a scrawny 160 maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so Josh used to be my size and now he's two times me. <laughs> How long did it take you to do this? Um, I mean, I, I probably started being more serious about growing maybe six or seven years ago. And before that, I just wanted to be lean and shredded all the time. And that's when I screwed up my metabolism probably. But yeah, six or seven years maybe. Six or seven years. So what do you say? Here I am. I'm a new client. Mm-hmm. I'm my age. I am 41. And I come to you and you start lifting weights with me and I tell you, well, but I don't want to get bulky, Josh. What do you say (laughs) to somebody like that? I, well, first off, I get offended because I've been trying to get bulky for seven years now, (laughs) but, but no, really, um, it's, it takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of dedication and a lot of, I'll call it like really elite effort in all aspects of your life being dedicated to fitness, right? Mm-hmm. Like everything from your training to your sleep, to your nutrition, to the timing of said nutrition, all of these variables and even more come into play when trying to build muscle. And when you try to think of the idea that you are encouraging your body to create more muscle from just the food you eat and the stimulus that you give it, like imagine a one pound steak, mm-hmm. you're gonna put that on your body and you're worried about putting you're worried about growing too many of those (laughs) like that takes so long and so much effort and um you know it it would be very rare i don't think i've ever heard somebody be like yeah i woke up one day and i was just too big (laughs) (laughs) so you know We'll catch it before it happens, I guess. We'll catch it before it happens. Yeah. But in all seriousness, it takes not only a lot of time, but like you said, elite effort. Yeah. You have to train accordingly, which means which means what? How do I need to train in order to put on muscle, Josh? Well, you need to be able to be providing enough stimulus for your body to want to change. That's the other thing is your body has to want to change. So, I mean... You could be doing all the right things with your training. You could be training in a hypertrophy rep range. You could be progressing your lifts. You could be altering your programs, maintaining the same sort of theory like we do in terms of like training to failure and creating the stimulus. But if you're also not eating enough, sleeping enough, um, if your hormones are out of whack, your body doesn't want to build muscle and it won't. So all of these variables have to be in alignment. And that's the hard part. Yeah, today I was mentioning um, in this VIP group that I have, we're focusing on sleep for the month. And the quote for the morning was, you know, sleep is anabolic. Mm-hmm. If you are, who cares if you're training and eating right if you're not getting the sleep? Because that's when the magic is happening. Yeah, that's when you're recovering. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't, I mean, like people say, you don't build muscle in the gym, you create the stimulus in the gym. Mm-hmm. But your muscle builds as it recovers, and it recovers mostly at night. That's when you're most anabolic at night. And so when Josh is talking about the stimulus, it's different amounts of weight with progressive overload, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. How do you feel? What is this muscle confusion business about? 
<laughs> muscle are my muscles getting confused? Well, yeah, you throw hard math problems at them, and <laughs> that's how they grow. <laughs> muscle confusion is, that's an old term. Uh, I haven't heard that in a while. Really, what I think that's referring to is a new stimulus or a stimulus that's new enough to create a desired outcome, right? So when you come into the gym and you start lifting weights as a new person who's never lifted weights before, even if you're picking up five pound dumbbells and, you know, as long as it's challenging, that's a new stimulus that your body's going to have to adapt to. Your body adapts to things because it doesn't want to die. So as you become more advanced in your training, you need more advanced stimulus. And sometimes that comes in the form of bigger weights. Sometimes it's harder movements. Sometimes it's just simply more volume, you know, lighter weights, more reps. There's so many different ways that you can maneuver that stimulus to create, to make it new. Mm -hmm. And I think the muscle confusion part, people get too caught up in and they just start doing different stuff all the time. And then they don't get to track their progress in any one thing. And that one thing is the stimulus that you should be advancing. Mm-hmm. But the confusing, the confusion part is like, they just do a whole bunch of stuff. Right. And Josh, you just hit the nail on the head. <clears throat> it's like, we need to be able to track our progress. That's why you'll have someone do a program for four, six, eight, 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. So we can track that. Yeah. And a lot of them are the same exercises. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's not, sometimes the boring stuff works, you know, because we know we have constants and variables in fitness. And if the training is constant mm-hmm. for eight weeks, 12 weeks, and we know we're getting better at it. We know we're either moving more weight. We're getting better at the exercise in some way we're progressing. Mm-hmm. And that's and, what we're looking for. I mean, I will be the first to admit we should do an episode of things we used to do that we will no longer do because we know better. I mean, I used to teach a yoga sculpt class and like the crazier the movement I could put in there, Josh, the better. I mean, like your muscles are going to be so confused. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to see new muscles in places you never thought you had muscles because this movement is so out of this world, you Mm -hmm. know, and it involved like a hop, a skip and a curl and a press and too much. (laughs) Too much. But I don't think that's uncommon, especially for, for new trainers. Yeah. And I think a lot of new trainers are under the impression that um, they need every session to be like really exciting. And the best way to do that is to create a new workout or add something new mm-hmm. when really the best session is going to be the one that's most effective in getting your client closer to their goals. And sometimes that's not the most exciting, but if you're a good trainer, you're the one who makes it exciting, not the workout. Honestly, I just come for the conversation. Which there is plenty of. People probably don't think we're doing that. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm getting very strong. Um, <laughs> conversation is a bonus. Yeah. <laughs> but also, because I know you work with several, or would you say your client split is 50-50 male-female, or what is it? No, I think I work with more females, actually. And I don't know why or how that happened. Um, but... I, that's kind of how it is right now. I work with a lot of females, a lot of female trainers mm-hmm. um, or yoga instructors or people in the fitness space, mm-hmm. which I like because I can kind of talk a little more like I can be kind of more a geek, yeah. like a fitness nerd, which I like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that, that seems to be where it's at right now. 
Um, so with the reason I brought that up is because I know that women sometimes have a hard time wrapping their brain around eating for their goals. Mm-hmm. You mentioned elite effort in all areas, elite effort in nutrition. What does that look like? Well, it probably means eating more for most people. Yeah. Um, I think that the standard American diet severely lacks most macronutrients. I think um, people who are average, I'll, I'll, I'll say, um, are under the impression, and this likely comes from like recommended daily intakes and things like that, um, that I usually see people eating like, you know, 70 grams of protein a day, for example, which is fine. It's healthy. And if, you know, you want, if you want to be average, um, but you know, if you come in as Kylie and I look at your, my fitness pal, and I see that you're eating 70 grams of protein a day because, you know, some website told you that that was the healthy amount. That's fine if you want to be average, but if you want to build muscle, then we know that your protein needs to be way higher. Protein is the absolute most important macronutrient in building muscle. Um, and so being able to be comfortable with eating more is, I think, difficult for more women. But nailing your proteins, your carbs, your fats, uh, and I'll throw fiber in there too, I think is very important to be able to build muscle. But it's also the hardest thing for most people to get over because eating more usually comes with this obvious connotation of like, I'm going to get fat. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't blame the women. I blame the programming that we've been put through. Because mm-hmm. I also know that men deal with it, too. I just started a, a round of my program. I've got three dudes. Guess who emailed me first about, are you sure this is right? My dudes did. Mm-hmm. Really? My dudes did. Yeah. And I, I laughed every single time. I was like, <laughs> you know, yeah, you weigh 200 pounds. You need to eat 200 grams of protein. That's not even that much. It's not even that much. I weigh more than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it's just, it's just funny, but you're, if you're putting in the work, you need to back it up with the nutrition. If you want to build muscle, because we both know as trainers, we know what you want to look like, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You want to look like a superhero kind of. (laughs) Well, I do. I want to look like a superhero. (laughs) I would like to look like a superhero. You look like a superhero. Yeah. Without a cape. Mm -hmm. Ooh, get your cape. But yeah, we know what you look, we know what you want to look like. You Mm -hmm. can't, like, you can't lean out what's not there. Yeah, right. It has to be, it has to be built. You have to build it. And people don't just come with it. You know, they don't, they don't make people like that. No, because (laughs) the other classic thing is with the women that we work with, they'll get to a great spot and then I'll hear, but I really like, I still need to tone up this area around my stomach. Mm-hmm. The best way to do that is to put muscle on everywhere else. Would you agree? Yes. Yes. I love, I love doing that. Yes. I get, you know, you get a, you get someone in and they're like, oh, my waist is like big and I want to make, I want a smaller waist. And I'm like, okay, well, let's just make your butt and your shoulders bigger. <laughs> and they're like, but what about, um, what about the waist? I'm like, yeah, but you got to imagine if the butt and the shoulders are bigger, the waist looks smaller, right? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and we'll make the waist smaller, but why not do both? Yes. Right? It's all about proportions. It is all about portions. It's this whole thing is just smoke and mirrors, people. <laughs> it's just smoke and mirrors. <laughs> you gotta stand right. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, get the lighting right. Oh my god. Yeah, but, but uh, like you said, you need to be able to dial in your nutrition to do that. And not only that, but you need to be able to dial it in consistently. So that's where that elite effort comes from is you have all of these variables that affect your ability, your body's ability to build muscle. How often are you hitting those hundred percent and for how long, right? If you're one of these people that hits your variables during the week and like you get your eight hours of sleep and you hit your macros and your training is right, you're doing better than most people. But if you fall apart on the weekend, yeah, that's going to be an issue. So how long can you be hundred percent for? I, I did some math the other day because, of course, consistency is one of the number one issues with people. So let's think about it. You got seven days a week, two of those, if the wheels fall off, it's 28.5% of the week. That's almost 30% of your week. Percentage. Huge yeah. percentage, people. Yeah. So, that's almost, that's like pass fail. Right. <laughs> right? That's yeah. like almost a 70% on a test if you don't do the weekend. Exactly. So, you know, start by getting six days out of the week and then you try and you got to get seven days out of the week. Yeah. It takes a lot of effort. It does. It's hard and it's easy to fall off. And I get that. I used to I not mean, get it, but then I fell off my flossing routine and now it makes sense to me. <laughs> well, and like you actually do things like Josh has friends and does things. I, I have friends, but I don't do things. So it's easier for me to stay consistent on the weekends. Mm-hmm. So how do you navigate that? I mean, because you're prepping for a show right now, right? Uh, I am, yeah, I'm 19 weeks out, I think, right now, or 18 weeks out. Um, I do things, but I, it takes more upfront work. Yeah. And if I said I was perfect this last week, I'd be lying. Yeah, well, you're but, human, so thank you. Exactly. I'm human, right? I'm not a robot. Um, but it just takes a lot more upfront prep work, which is fine for me because my goal is really important to me mm-hmm. um but yeah like I you know I go snowboarding and I just have to make sure that I have stuff with me you know I if I go snowboarding and then I have to come out and still work out first off I'm exhausted um but I have to get it done because it's important to me mm-hmm. um I also have to make sure that you know I'm gone away from the house for from like 530 in the morning until maybe three o'clock in the afternoon. That means I have to have like three meals with me at least. And if some of them have to be powder, some of them have to be powder, you know, but at least I have them with me and I know that I'm going to be on track to hit my macros for the day. I'm already getting my steps in cause I'm snowboarding and get my non-exercise activity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll get home and I'll make myself go to the gym and I work out. I, I think it's really important too that you you have this goal that you said is important to you, and I think this might be an area where the general pop kind of gets hung up. They 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 don't have a clear goal. I'm kind of tracking. I kind of want to do this. Like you got to get clear on what is important to you, don't you think? I yeah, I really do think so, and I think a lot of people don't like setting specific goals, mm-hmm. you know. But if if you want to really succeed, you know, your goal can't just be, yeah, I want to get fit. Yeah. You know, I think it's, it makes it a lot more concrete and you're much more likely to stick to it. If you have very specific goals about what you want to do, make them, you know, make them, um, make them smart goals, mm-hmm. you know, specific, measurable, attainable, time bound, um, relevant. Um, and obviously for me, that's, you know, I know, 
mid-July, I forget what exactly what the date is, but I have to step on stage. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to do that. I've always wanted to. Um, but even when I wasn't, you know, I knew, okay, I'm going to try to gain this much muscle by this date. I have 12 weeks. Um, or I'm going to get to this percent body fat based on where I am right now in this next 16 weeks, mm -hmm. whatever it is. Um, the specificity of the goal definitely makes it easier. And I, I do, now that we talk about this, I do think that it really is a, a struggle for people. They don't really know what it is that they want. Yeah. And not everyone is going to want to step on a stage like Josh. You know, mm -hmm. not everyone's going to want to run a marathon. And I think then you have to start to look at, okay, I may not have a goal like that, but who, what kind of person do I want to be? Like, do I want to be a person who commits to myself and follows through? Or do I want to be someone who shows up half the time for myself? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think e even if you're not one of these people that, because I could totally understand if you're trying to set goals for yourself, you don't know where you're starting from. You don't know what's possible. You know, it's like you've got some people that come in and they're like, I want to be 12% body fat. And you're like, well, we got a lot of work to do, uh, you know, like, and this doesn't just happen overnight. So I think if, if you're unsure of where you're starting from and unsure of what's possible, ask yourself when you set some goals. And even if your goal is just, I want to have more energy. That's a good one. How will you know when you reach that goal? Like what's a thing? Is it like when you get home from work, you don't want to, want to sit on the couch and you actually have energy to play with your kids. Is that, is that the goal? Yeah. So how does it look when you've reached it? And I think that's an important question that'll help you get to like the non-numerical end result. Absolutely. And I honestly, it's debatable. Those might even be more important than a numerical. Yeah. I think so for most people. Yeah. How do yeah. you feel? What, yeah. yeah. And how do you measure that? Yeah. Cause your happiness isn't going to come from like the number on the scale or the body fat percentage or like how, what your bench is. It's going to come from everything that comes along from that in your life mm -hmm. and what you're able to do with your new energy and your body and your capabilities. And your confidence. Confidence. Confidence is a good one. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. yeah. You can do anything when you feel confident. Almost anything. Yeah, almost anything. <laughs> you're not afraid to try it at least. Definitely not afraid to try it. Yeah. And when you're confident, you're also not afraid to fail. That's uh, true. That, I think... Yeah. In fact, Failing is important. Failing is one of the most important things you can learn how to do. We'll have a whole entire podcast dedicated to failing. Yes, we should. Yeah. Yeah. We can talk about all the times I got kicked out of businesses as a kid when I was doing my, my first job out of college. <laughs> Lots of bad words were said my way. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's why you are the way you are now. You're like, I've seen the other side. This is nothing. Whatever, you know, Whatever. <laughs> what's the worst that happens? <laughs> so the last thing we'll talk about today is clearly Josh and I have a great rapport. Um, how do you find a personal trainer? Because I get asked that all the time. Like, Kylie, can you refer someone to me or how do I do this? So if you're local, I actually do have a couple of resources, but if you're somewhere else, what's a person to do? I have a couple of things that I, I like to all talk about, but what do you, what do you say first, Josh? When... I'm looking for a personal trainer when I have someone ask me for a referral. Yeah, when, well, what, what, what advice would you give for someone who is searching for a personal trainer? Well, I think, well, it's, everything's referral these days. Like, we were, we were joking earlier, like, you're not going to go on Google and search 
for a personal trainer and just like pick one of them that pops up. You have to either have someone that you trust recommend someone to you or do the research yourself. And with social media these days, it's really easy to do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I picked my trainer that I have now, my coach, because I followed him for, geez, probably a year. Mm -hmm. I really like the way he trains. I agree with his methods. I agree with his theories. His athletes are all very healthy. Mm -hmm. And that's a really important one to me. They don't just look healthy because a lot of competitors are not healthy. That's not a healthy thing. Um, But his art, he does a really good job. And so I basically use social media as a way to see into someone's business Mm -hmm. and how they conduct it. And that's how I selected mine. And that's how I would encourage most people to do um, their research when they're looking for a personal trainer is either it's referral based or you just kind of follow along someone and you see what they're about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So back when I competed, that was one of the things I wanted to look for a coach who I wanted to see his girls after, after the show. Yes. Yes. What are your clients doing after, after that, that was important for me. Um, the other thing was looking in the gym, like who, you know, you can tell who knows what they're doing and who's kind of just there on their phone, looking around, like who's really present with their clients and really cares. Like Erica, who was on the podcast, um, last week, yeah. watching her work with her clients. I mean, it was a treat. It oh, was she's a real so treat. Yeah, yeah. She's so good and so engaged. And, and also you too, I see you interact with your clients and I see what you're doing. And it wasn't just your normal every day. I printed this off of some website and just mm-hmm. threw this together for Bob. It was really thoughtful. So look at what they're doing with other clients. Are they doing the same thing with every single client? Cause that is not okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think it's uncommon either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, if you're really invested in your client's success, then you're going to get excited about figuring out how to fix them or help them or like get them to their goal. Mm -hmm. And try them all out. Like my friend Leanne, who's super picky, she had several, (laughs) several personal trainers in the very beginning because she's like, Mm -hmm. I don't like him. I don't like him. So find someone that you like. Yeah. You got to vibe with them too. Yeah. Like keep in mind, you like, if you're training in person, you're going to be spending multiple hours a week for probably a pretty long time with this person, yeah. you got to like them. Like imagine if we didn't like each other and we had to spend four hours a week together. Uh, <laughs> ew. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> but I also want to point out, so Josh has a trainer, a coach, and I have a, a coach trainer. So we need these people like to stop trying to do it on your own. Yeah. You're never too good for them. No. No. And I learned that the hard way. And that was part, that's the other reason I became a personal trainer. So I spent so many years like doing it wrong. Yeah. I'm like, well, shit, I could get to where I am in so like so much faster. And so I want to do that for people. That's the deal. You could get there so much faster with help. Mm -hmm. Yep. Especially good help. I mean, I've only been with my current coach for a few months now and my body is completely different. Wow. It's amazing. He's the best decision I've made. Mm-hmm. Well, and I will say this, like you, you don't know, you don't know what you don't know. So, for sure. and I do consider it a luxury. I do. And I am very fortunate that I've been working really hard these last three years and now I can afford to visit Josh 
four times a week, but, um, invest in that one time a week. If that's what you've got in your budget or that's what Mm -hmm. you can fit, something is better than nothing. I would say. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're going to learn a lot Mm -hmm. and especially if you're with a good trainer and even that, you know, it's like, even if you can only attend class at university once a week, Mm -hmm. you're still going to learn more than if you didn't go. Even if you can get someone's eyes on you to watch you move, mm-hmm. that's invaluable. Yeah. Because you're, you're not seeing everything. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, I pride myself on having great body awareness, but yet Josh can still say, oh, put your knees out or brace your core or bring your shoulders back, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm not really listening, but. Or <laughs> <laughs> something. <laughs> Some songs in your head. I'm sure he's telling me something that's important. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but bottom line, personal trainers are definitely something that if you can fit in your budget, I am like pro personal trainer and I did not used to be. So you mentioned a while ago, like you didn't understand why someone would get a trainer, right? Mm -hmm. I would see this gentleman work out with a female trainer. I didn't understand it. I was like, you think you know how to work out by himself by now. He's been with her for years. But it's not about that. It's about the relationship. It is. It's about the relationship. It's about trusting someone that understands probably a lot more than you do about the like simple and intricate parts of getting you to your goals and not having to think about it. Yeah. It's a true luxury. It is amazing. I just do what my coach tells me to do. Yeah. I don't ask questions. I'm like, you know what I want. I just do whatever I'm supposed to do. Yeah. It's like, great. It's what I like to say, you're an expert in what you do. Leave your training up to the experts. You can tell yep. people what to do at work. Let someone tell you what to do in the gym. Yep, exactly. Oh, cool. Well, mm-hmm. do you have any other final thoughts on things we talked about today before we wrap up? Not today. Today, I think we covered a lot today. Covered a lot today. I knew we would probably go over our time limit, but that's okay. So Josh and I want to do this. We will be doing it frequently. We have several topics. Mm-hmm. I mean, our phone is full of topics. Yes. <laughs> ever growing list of topics. Yes. Yeah. But if there's ever anything that you guys have specific questions on, please let us know. You can actually send us a message on anchor. So We'll look forward to any topics that you have. And without further ado, thanks for thanks for signing on today. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for me. You bet. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in today. If you have any questions or topics that you would like Josh and I to cover, please send them my way. In addition, if you have any speakers that you think would make great guests, please let me know. You can reach me at kyliefityoga at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you.